You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. We have this ability to imagine stories and particularly to imagine endings. I want to tell you, (coughs) excuse me if I can, about the day that I went to an AA meeting. Has anyone ever been to an AA? No, no, don't don't, don't tell me that. Um, The day I went to an AA meeting, I um, was speaking on something at uh, Waterloo. And I was really interested to understand more about addiction. Um, I barely drink alcohol, so I knew I wasn't going because of that. Um, But I went to this AA meeting that was held in a church quite near to where I live. And you have to find out if it's an open meeting or a closed meeting. And if it's an open meeting, then you can go. But I was really nervous outside, like I'd done something wrong. (laughs) And as I was waiting outside, there were all of these people who were going in. And in this church, they had an AA meeting happening, but they also had an NA meeting. So you'd got people with drug addictions, and you'd also got people with alcohol addictions. And I was really nervous. And I, but I knew that I wanted to go in because I wanted to understand how addiction works. And I wanted to understand what it meant to be in a space where anyone and everyone was able to share their story. And all I wanted to do was listen and learn. And I wanted to understand my own addictions. Now, that might sound weird, but I realized that sometimes I have an addiction to my own way of thinking. Anyone? You know, I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. Sometimes some of us have an addiction to control, like we want to be the ones in control. Sometimes an addiction to anger, sometimes to power. That's not going on at all at the moment in the world at all. I just put that one out of your heads. Um, an addiction to position. But this thing about an addiction to our own way of thinking, this addiction to being right, and I was intrigued. What could I learn by going along to this meeting? So I was outside the meeting, and I was afraid. For some reason, I felt shame. And the fear almost stopped me going inside. But when I got inside, it was incredible. It was packed, absolutely packed with people from every walk of life and people to whom on the outside looked absolutely together. Everyone in that room knew that everyone else was in exactly the same boat. So there was this kind of level of honesty in the room that I'd never experienced before. It was like everyone was going, yeah, me too. (laughs) You've done three days. Brilliant. I'm on my fourth and we're doing okay. It was like this just brutal honesty. Everyone in the room knew that they were lost and had to let go of the thing that they thought they were in control of. The excuses they'd made no longer worked. The denial they'd lived on, that didn't wash anymore. 
and the holding on and I've got it all right, which clearly wasn't true because it had all failed. Some of you will know this, that the um, step one in AA is uh, this. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. It was like this realization that we can't do this anymore. The addiction to our own way of managing, it doesn't work anymore. Outside of the meeting, where I'd been full of shame and fear, I'd come up with all sorts of assumptions and stories in my head about the people that I was going to be seeing in that room. If you have a Bible, does anyone have a Bible? There are some at the back, if not. Um, Just turn, if you can, to Genesis chapter 12. We're just going to read a few verses now. Um, And then another verse at the end. So it's Genesis chapter 12. And it's verses 1 to 3. And it says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, In the summer, I uh, I went on holiday, which was lovely. Um, And while I was on holiday, there was a a kid um, with a, a brother and a sister and uh, the little one was trying to learn to swim. At the start, I was away for two weeks. At the start of the week, this little kid, uh, she she was quite bold and boisterous, but she refused to let go of her mum. She refused to let go of her mum when she was in the pool, and her mum would coax her with all sorts of language, saying, "I'll buy you an ice cream if you let go." And she kept clinging on to her mum. And if she wasn't clinging on to her mum, then she was holding on to the side of the swimming pool. This was her place of safety. This was her safe harbour. This was her staying where she wanted to be. In her head, in her thinking, her letting go meant that she would drown. She had no idea what was going to happen other than it wasn't going to end well. And so what she chose to do was to stick with what she knew. She kept everything within reach. It just couldn't cross her mind at all that if she let go, then possibly she might be able to swim. She was filled with fear about the unknown. She was filled with fear about the unknown. Not swimming was her known. I was going to draw on the carpet, but I can't because it's all so shiny. Um, With a piece of chalk. So she was filled with fear about what she didn't know. And she was filled with confidence about what she did know. And because her confidence was here, she held on. 
But there was this part of her that was intrigued by what she didn't know. Why? Because her brother and sister were having a really good time in the swimming pool. So God says to Abraham, not go and swim. (laughs) God says to Abraham, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household. This is a pivotal moment in the story of Abraham. Why is that? Because tribe really mattered. So here's Abraham with everything that he knows. His country, his people, his place of safety, his security. This is how the world is. Everyone belongs to their tribe. This kind of plays out right now as well, actually. Everyone belongs to their tribe. It's their place of safety. But God says, go. Leave it all behind. Even leave your father's household, which is where your money and your um, security comes from. If you think, uh, I don't know how many, I know some of you work with young people, you say to a gang member, leave your gang. Leave your gang. Go. Leave your gang. I can guess what the reaction might be. Your gang, your tribe was your place where you felt safe and secure. But the invitation of God was in the going from what was known into what is unknown. And Abraham hears these words, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to be a blessing to the whole earth. Now that was weird. They'd never heard language like that. That was completely new. So Abraham Abraham has been used to being in this space. And he hears God, and God says, go. Be in a different space. Be in a different space. Move from your safe harbor into a new space. The space between. I wonder how you feel when it's time to leave the old behind. I wonder what fills you inside at that point. Let me flick through a couple of the slides. Our brains are wired for story. We create endings even if we can't, um, we haven't heard them or imagined them. Um, if uh, I gave you a picture and I said, what's the story? And it wasn't that difficult for you. Our brains are wired for story. And I imagine that for Abraham, when he heard the word go, enter into this completely new idea where you are going to be a blessing to all people, not just your tribe. In his head, he would have jumped to a whole heap of endings of what that might mean. We create endings even if they don't exist yet. How many of you have ever received a text message with three dots on it at the end? And you're like, oh, (laughs) that means I'm sacked. 
or you hear one sentence and immediately in your brain you've jumped a million miles. You've created an ending. There's another thing that happens to us. Some of you may know about this stuff because you're really bright. Bath bright. This isn't. Uh, this seems to have stopped working. If you could p press the next slide. Have you heard of cognitive dissonance? Ooh, yeah, you have. Yeah. Um, how many of you drive? Anyone? Yeah. Have you ever done this? So you uh, you're driving in your car, and uh, someone cuts you up. And you're f just like Jesus, and you're like, oh, it's okay. Never mind. You don't, do you? What you do is you check out the car, check out the driver, and if you see a scratch on their car, you're like, I knew they were the worst driver. They're a rubbish driver. And it's called cognitive dissonance. It's where what we do is we look for the evidence that proves that we are right even though we were the ones that messed up the driving maneuver. Anyone ever done that? We look for the evidence to prove that we are right. Cognitive dissonance. It's because we can't hold two stories in our head at the same time that compete. So I can't be right and that person be right at the same time. We can't do it. So what we do is we create an ending where we win. Why? Because we have to create an ending because we're wired for it. The wonderful um, Brené Brown, who some of you have probably read, she talks about how stories have three parts. Act one, act two, and act three. Yeah? You know, the start of something is really... You know when... Uh, Joe arrived, Joe and Sarah arrived, and we became Oasis. It's like really exciting, isn't it? And then you're like, let's just leap to when everything's brilliant. But there's this horrible act too that happens where we do all the stuff and there's all the hassle and all of that stuff going on. Every story has a middle part that's full of the tension, full of the energy, full of the the kind of stuff that we'd rather not get into before we get to Act 3 where everything um, starts to find the ending that we desire for it. So I wonder what was going through Abraham's head when God said go. Because it was an amazing idea that was presented to Abraham. An amazing idea. You are going to be a great nation, and the whole world is going to be blessed for you, through you. It's an incredible idea. But I wonder if Abraham's head, he was going, you're joking, right? I don't want to do that. No way. I'm not leaving that stuff behind. You don't understand God. You see, we're tribal. So if I do that, then I'm susceptible to other people jumping on me because I've got no protection anymore. And what if we starve? And what if there are dragons in the space that I don't know? He didn't actually, that's not in the text, by the way. Um, this is a medieval map. And what people used to do where they didn't know what things were, they just used to put monsters there. And it kind of filled them with fear. It filled them with that, I don't want to go there. 
what's familiar. We put nice pictures around and it all looks lovely. But the land that we are called into, we sometimes draw these monsters, these imaginary creatures that stop us moving. And what uh, used to be written by cartographers was, here there be dragons on the maps. And because of that, we get stuck. We get stuck. We're afraid of the dragons. I love this idea. But in order for that idea to become a reality, I've got to move. But I don't want to move because it may be tricky. The invitation of God, I think, in this story is simply this, is to let go in order to go. The invitation of God is to let go in order to go. There's this great verse in uh, Psalm 46, which is very familiar with you, actually, I'm sure. Be still and know that I am God. When I was, uh, whenever I've been fearful of taking a next step, to move from the notion of that's a nice idea to it becoming a reality. I've done this first, like be still. I was fascinated to learn that it actually, in its root, means this. Let go of your grip and trust in me, your great high king. Isn't that interesting? The invitation of God is to go, not to stay in a place where it's just a great idea. So back to the girl who was swimming. She wanted to stay. (coughs) She wanted to stay. Our tendency, even when we have the greatest of ideas, even if we have the most incredible ideas, about how we're going to change the way the world is. My tendency, my tendency, if I'm honest, is to stay just with the idea. It's a whole lot easier. But I've realized this, that every time I do that, the world gets smaller for me. It starts to lose its life. At the AA meeting, I was talking to a guy, old man, He was about, I don't know, 83, something like that. Just an amazing old guy. And I asked him how long he'd been dry. um, And he said it was like 18 years or something. And he'd come to his senses when he found himself driving his lorry. um, And he knew he was drunk. And he didn't know how he'd not killed anyone. And it was like this wake-up call. And he said for him, coming into that space, the meeting... He just said, I died. I had to. But now I am here. This sense of letting go of what had been. Letting it die. Letting it be, I'm not going to stay. I'm going to do the new thing. Had brought him life. I died. I had to. But now I am here. And in Genesis 12, verse 4, it just says these words. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And if you read the rest of the verses, it talks about expansion and depth and inclusion and vision. 
the invitation of God was to let go in order to go. There is an invitation from God in this story to me, to you, I guess, to all of us, which goes beyond just a nice idea. The church is full, not this church, but the church is full of people who have great ideas. But our world needs people <laughs> who will step from a nice idea to being a blessing for all people across all nations. Abraham heard the idea, you will be a great nation. and You will be a blessing for all. I love ideas. I love New Year's. I love September's. I love seeing kids in all their new uniforms where everything's far too big. I love the when people wear blazers that have been passed down to them their year 11 and their year 7 and they've been told they've got to wear it. I love it when we get new buildings. I love that freshness. I love a new pencil case. I love new stationery at the start of a new year. I love all of those things. The little girl loved the idea of swimming, but she stayed until the end of the holiday where her confidence had grown and she let go and she found herself swimming. Our world doesn't need more ideas. Our world doesn't need more ideas. What our world needs, and even just listening to the news this morning, what our world needs is for people who love Jesus to do the stuff. To do the stuff. So Abraham went. He didn't stay. He went. It was active. Does anyone know what the word slacktivism means? Has anyone heard of that? Guesses? Brilliant. Yeah, it's a thing particularly around social media, isn't it? This idea that um, <laughs> lots of people, me included, will feel really good about ourselves if we've signed a petition online. <laughs> I've done my bit for changing the world. You know, or we retweet something that was a really great quote from someone. You know, Martin Luther King. Yes, I've changed the world. Jill Rowe, you've changed the world today. If I've liked or I've clicked or I've worn a wristband or even if I've gone on a march, which I've done quite a few, they're all great ideas. But Genesis 12 reminds me that we are called to more than nice ideas. Abraham heard the most incredible idea that was going to change the future of everything. But it, there was a cost involved in him going. There was a cost involved in him going. So, today, here's these nine habits. Can you see them? All right. Yeah? Just with the person next to you. I was going to get you into groups to do this, but I'll just get you to talk to each other. Just with the person next to you. If you're bored already with the person you're sat next to, then uh, choose someone different. Uh, which of these do you think you're doing well at at the moment? As an individual, I don't mean as a church. 
I mean, as an individual, which do you think you're doing well at at the moment? And then, which do you think you need to work on as an individual? Go for it. Okay, so here's the thing with the nine habits. You know that the nine habits are uh, something that goes across the whole family of Oasis. um, And uh, it's really exciting, actually. Some really amazing stuff happening around this, um, not just in the churches particularly, but um, uh, massively in in the schools, the Oasis Academies and everything. Um, These are based, we've kind of changed some of the words, but we've based them around the fruit of the Spirit, um, which you will know were written by St. Paul in contrast to what Aristotle talked about. Aristotle's virtues were much more about the progress of self and strength and power and, you know, and resilience and all of those kind of things. But it's impossible to be these things on your own. These are all about how we are with others. They're not just ideas. <laughs> They're realities in our everyday. So here's the thing. Our world is characterized at the moment by a lot of division lot of division. Abraham was called from the safety of thinking that his tribe was the only tribe into you're here for all people because I'm the God of all people. So what does it mean for us to move from an idea into the reality is we take these things and we put them to work in the everyday of our lives. And you will know some of the, the little moments, like we were just talking, I'm not going to point, but over here, uh, we were talking about what happens to us sometimes when we drive <laughs> and the things that go out the window, like patience, self-control. You know, it's in the little things where we move from idea into reality where we move from having the most wonderful building right at the heart of Bath into the reality of the everyday with the people around us. We know, don't we, we only need to put the news on this morning because another Tory um, Amber Rudd has resigned. And like this hatred that there is. If you go on Twitter, the hatred that exists... And what these do is move us from the safe harbor of they're my tribe, so I'm going to be for them and take us to the place of what can I do to show love upon love upon love, even to those who I struggle with? These are about us being united and not divided. When Abraham heard the words go, they were about do, be, say, and act, both together as a tribe, but also individually. Joe read something to us earlier from Matthew in the message translation. And one of the lines in that little bit out of uh, Matthew says this, be generous with your life, be generous with your lives. Uh, Richard Raw, who I'm sure 
that some of you have uh, read some of his stuff says this we do not think ourselves into new ways of living we live ourselves into new ways of thinking which I think probably means that Abraham everything in his head was this is ridiculous what I'm being asked to do this is utterly ridiculous this goes against the whole tribal system of the whole known world it puts me at a place of weakness I've no longer got any protection around me but here I am being invited to move from that idea and to go to a space where actually everything changes. Everything changes. So Abraham went. Abraham went. Um, I discovered recently that uh, to architect is a word. My brother is an architect, but I actually discovered that it's a verb. I knew it was a word, but I discovered it, <laughs> obviously. I could spell it as well. Um, but I discovered that it's a verb to architect, to build something. Abraham was being invited to go from a safe harbor to go build something completely new. And it was an active choice. He had to move from idea to reality. And the reality would mean that there was struggle and pain and all the rest of it, and joy, and all of those things that are involved in creating what is new. If, uh, I don't know if any of you recognize this picture. I think it's fascinating. This is an a installation at Tate Modern through the summer. It was in the, um, uh, you know, the big um, turbine hall at Tate. And it's white Lego. <laughs> people are playing with white Lego. What I think is really interesting is the age of people who are playing with the white Lego. <laughs> to architect and it's amazing what has been created there's a massive queue to be able to have a go and join in and they together over weeks have created this most incredible thing so Abraham went and he knew that he was the architect of the vision that he had been given you are the architects of the vision of the church here and the wider hub here so go go it's not just the ideas that I love and could very easily stay with I know that I need to move I uh, quite like um, Star Wars anyone yeah yes Sometimes I put that up and people are like, no, no idea. Game of Thrones. I'm like, would I be showing that in church? But anyway, Rebel Alliance. This is a sign of the Rebel Alliance. If you've never watched a Star Wars film ever, okay, basically the premise is the Rebel Alliance are against the Empire. There you are. You've seen all the films. You don't need to see anything now. The Rebel Alliance. We are the Rebel Alliance. We are the Rebel Alliance. We are standing against an empire. An empire where the values are division and hatred. Where we say that some people have more value than others. Where we say that if you've got wealth, good on you, get more. 
where the individual has more sway than the community and the family. That's the values of the empire, where consume, 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 even if it means we consume the environment. The rebel alliance stands for loving others as yourselves, for compa being compassionate and hopeful and humble. That's what we're called into. Um, Joe is going to bring round to you some jigsaw. Um, and uh, we were just thinking about, as you, as you guys start that kind of sense of a new term here, a new year, a fresh start, um, that the, as you uh, are given your piece of um, jigsaw, for it to symbolize that kind of, yeah, I'm participating in something here. This is not just a great idea. A few years ago, I heard someone read out a prayer that has stuck with me because um, it is about disruption and it is about being disturbed by uh, God in order that I move, in order that I move from just the idea. And I have the courage that Abraham had to step into something new. So as you hold and clench that uh, piece of jigsaw in your uh, fist, in the palm of your hand, I'm going to read this prayer out to us and then we're going to sing. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas where storms will show your mastery. Where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. And this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.